0: Hey guys, it's Allie and Lindsay here, and we want to talk to you about our new favorite wine subscription. It is Winester. The best thing about Weinster is that they work with small wineries. You know BSN loves supporting small local businesses, and Winester is just that, supporting real people making real wine. These guys will curate a hand-picked shipment for you from the best small wine producers in the U.S. So my favorite part about Winester is the fact that
1: What's also ideal about Weinster is that you
0: can pick your shipments based on your schedule. That's right, Allie. So whether you're a casual drinker or you love hosting parties, you can get your shipment based on your lifestyle. So head to their website today, you guys. That's W-I-N-E-S-T-Y-R, Weinster.com. We've got BSN25 promo code for you, and you can save $25 off your first order.
2: Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has room. McKinley-Wright from the logo! Got it! Oh, McKinley-Wright!
3: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the BSN Buffs podcast presented by Total Beverage. I'm your host, Henry Chisholm. Before we start talking Buffs, I want to tell you about this really awesome deal for BSN listeners. If you didn't know by now, Total Beverage is delivering beer, wine, and liquor to anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. For a limited time, Total Bev is offering 20% off your purchase on their website and their app. Use code BSN20 and save 20% and have it delivered to your door. Let's jump into the show. We have a special guest here today. My guy, uh, Ryan Konigsberg, taught me like half of what I know about journalism, sports journalism, so me, and Henry- like, everything I know about the buffs. Most importantly, he uh, actually taught me how to shave
4: a month or two back. Anything Henry does wrong, you guys can blame it on me. Everything. Everything. Uh, how's it going, Ryan? It's going fantastic. Um, I think a lot of people probably know this, but I'm very passionate about University of Colorado sports, and it killed me, absolutely killed me to not have us covering the Buffs uh, for the last year plus, and when Henry interned at BSN Denver, by the time he left, we were like, all right, well, the second that he graduates, he has a job with us, and the, the closer we got to Henry's graduation, the more we just thought of bringing back the Buffs and uh, I was so excited to bring back the buffs and also so excited to put Henry on there because I think he's going to do a really great job for you guys. Um, I commend him for doing a podcast about a team that he hadn't really had a chance to cover before he even started covering them. Like Henry's first podcast, he wasn't even, hadn't even met like anyone. It never been even, even hardly even None been on them. campus. So uh, he, we threw him into the fire. And in hindsight, I actually felt bad that I did that, but he took to it. And uh, I think, you know, it, it was really cool. So I commend you for that. And I'm so excited to have you covering the Buffs for, for me and the rest <laughs> of Buffs Nation.
3: Yeah, well, I'm really excited that you were able to help out today with the Buffs. You know, I, we were talking about how, how passionate you are about Buffs athletics. I think you impressed somebody with that passion today. Somebody oh, who to impressed, you know. Yeah, the,
4: you know what? Um so when Henry took the job, I reached out to see uh, you and just said, "Hey, like we're gonna put someone new on the beat. I'd love to get a chance to go up there with him and introduce him to a few people, uh, including Coach Tucker." And uh, today was that day where we got to sit down with Coach Tucker. And it's funny that you mentioned that I like impress him with that because I don't really agree. Um, really, but I, when I covered the Buffs, like I really tried to do the whole like. I'm separating my job from my passion yeah. for CU, and I feel like I actually did a good job of that. Mm-hmm. Now that I don't cover the team directly, like, I'm just not going to try and hide it. So I like, <laughs> I like, I like told Coach Tucker like I've I've been to you know 114 straight home games. Like, I'm, I, there's no reason for me to like, hide, you know, like yeah. to try and pretend like oh I, 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 I'm on this like journalistic high horse and I have to like pretend like I don't love CU. No, I absolutely. I almost cursed. I absolutely love CU. Yeah, and it's almost better just to
3: like put that out there. Right. And just say, like, you know what, I'm not trying to change who I am to make it feel better. Like, here's here's who I am, here's how I'm going to approach this, and now we're all on the same page about it. So let's move on. Exactly.
4: Uh so we had the incredible opportunity, thanks to the the good folks in the sports information department at CU to sit down with Mel for an entire hour. Yeah. Uh, And, Henry, I don't know about you, but I came away very impressed.
3: You know, and that's something that I've been trying to get across on this podcast. Like, it's hard for me. I, I covered Montana football. Bobby Houck, one of the best FCS coaches of all time. This is different. This is a step up for sure. Just the way that Mel speaks, you just want to listen to him. Like, everything he says, you're like, oh, yeah, that totally makes sense. Like, you're the guy. Like... You know, he just gives off that vibe. He was, he was whispering to us the entire time. <laughs> whispering sweet nothings. He was whispering the entire time, and he did say, like, you know, I don't yell on the fourth floor.
4: That's not what we do here. Like, this is a business. Everybody does the job. Like, I loved that. Uh, it was just something different. I think that's why I loved it. Never heard a coach say anything like that. Um, but you're right. It was, it was interesting because we sit down with Mel, and holy crap, this man's office. Is incredible. It's
3: incredible.
4: Like, we're in the Blake Street Tavern right now. Shout out. Shout uh, out.
3: Also, Billy Joel is playing Coors Field. And so we're kind of pumping some Billy Joel into this place right now. It's called so Coors hears- Field. Co- it's not called Coors Field. <laughs> Nobody calls it that except for you. Like, you you could call me on bag versus bag. Like, wagon, wagon, all that kind of stuff. But no. Coors.
4: Coors. 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 Like, a roof. Anyways. Okay. Uh, so, little
3: Billy Joel. Hope you enjoy it.
4: Like... Mel Tucker's office is like almost as big as like the front room at BST if you've ever been here. It, it's massive and I can only imagine that when he gets a recruit in there and sits him on the same couch that we sat on looking directly out at the stadium and the flat irons that they, they have to be impressed.
3: Did you get a look into like the recruiting room next door? When no, no. There, there was like
4: that's where they're doing like all those photo shoots and stuff. I think uh, the small glimpse I got. Yeah. So you know, like when the recruits leave and they all have like sick pictures, like up against the screen, whatnot. I think yeah. that's what goes on. I, in that I room. think
3: that's what it was too. And today there was some national whatever going on, but I got like a quick peek inside when Mel came back to talk to us, and I can't imagine what is going on back there because it's just another massive room. Like, the, the the entire Buffs football floor of the building, incredible.
4: Absolutely. Uh, and so, I, I like that Mel said, I don't yell on the fourth floor. He said he wants to create a workplace environment there. He wants people to, to like working for him. He says, obviously, if I need to berate someone, I think was the word he used, <laughs> I can do it without yelling, and I don't have to threaten them or tell them I'm going to fire them. When I speak to them sternly and tell them what I need and what they're not doing, they're going to understand that if they don't get the job done, I'll get someone else who will.
3: Yeah. Yeah, no, everything about him is just so businesslike. And and I tried to press him about it too, like saying, you know, now now, I think he even called himself the CEO before I did. Like yep. he beat me to the punch on all of this stuff. But then I say, like, you know, this is different. Like, do, don't you kind of miss just like the X's and O's of it? And he'd say, no, well, the last few years, like, I was helping out with recruiting. I was setting up all this kind of stuff. I was coordinating things. I went to Georgia with Kirby Smart because Kirby Star- Smart was a first-time head coach, and I thought I could help him. It's like all this kind of stuff. I, I didn't expect him to be so prepared for the position he is in right now.
4: Yeah, it, it reminds me a lot of Vic Fangio in ways. And obviously, if you don't, if you guys don't know what my day job is, it's covering the <laughs> Broncos. Um and Vic Fangio came in, and I and I always use my my fun little alien analogy. If you brought in, if you brought an alien down from space that didn't know anything except for football, <laughs> and you showed him uh. Vic Fangio, I don't think he would think he was a first time head coach. No. And I feel the same exact way about Mel Tucker. Uh, he he just carries himself like a head coach, and it doesn't seem like he's trying. For example, Vance Joseph, he was trying to like play the role of head coach and he i could tell he was like forcing himself into things mel's just kind of mel and uh that was impressive another thing i think that that i found interesting was when he was talking about recruiting and he said a couple of interesting things one he said like after i show guys everything we do the whole tour and all that they're like they're like confused because they're like, "What's the catch? Like, why aren't guys, like why aren't you guys good?" Essentially, is what <laughs> yeah, they're saying. that's what it comes down to. And obviously, Mel doesn't have any any control over what the what this program yeah. has been in the past. But he basically like is just saying that like exposing these recruits from uh from Mississippi and Louisiana and Georgia, Florida and Georgia to Boulder, they're like, "Wow, this is a legit program."
3: Yeah. Yeah, well, and just like when when they he said, you know, they come in here and ask what's the catch? Why aren't you guys better? He says his answer is well, I mean, I've only been here since December 5th. I don't know. Like like right. like he just it's it's incredible. Like he just seems to have so much control. He understands what he wants to do. Like this is I'm honestly just every day I'm impressed by him. If that makes sense, like just whatever he has done that day, I see it and I'm like, wow, first time head coach, really? I don't buy it.
4: Can I share a weird obse- uh, weird Mel Tucker observation? Yeah, of course, of course. The man has one of the has the softest hands I've ever shaken in my life. They're massive. I always feel uncomfortable. I've shaken his hand a couple of times, and I'm just like, well, his hands oh. are huge, but they're so soft. How does it? I need to ask him what his regiment is. I bet I bet it's like the same thing he does to keep his head like shiny. He does a good job with that as he well. Does a great job. Um, another interesting thing. And this was a, this was a Vic Fangio comparison for me. I always talk about how Vic like has, has all these different things that he wants to do differently when he got there. Mel said, when he got to see you, um, he, he too was blown away by the facilities, but the only video they had that they were like sending out to recruits regarding the facilities was five to six minutes long and i and i know exactly the video it's great it's like narrated by like chris fowler or something like that and he he was so smart to think we need to cut these videos down like you can't get a kid's attention for six no, minutes no and i'm a millennial you're a millennial you can't get my attention for six minutes i never
3: <laughs> honestly mel tucker did
4: so well uh, yeah, other, yeah other than sitting
3: for an hour with Mel Tucker I think just, Mel like, Tucker had us both pretty I'm, captivated exactly like the whole like he has the window over over Folsom field like you look out the window and it's just like beautiful like yeah. it's, it's it's a great place yeah we
4: spent an hour with him it went by in a flash it did um but anyways he said we need to go in and take this and redo these videos uh and do 90 seconds on each area of the facilities. Because you know what? Maybe one kid only cares about uh, the player, the player's lounge. I don't know. I th- that's yep. what they call it, the Broncos. Yep. I assume they call it the same thing. Like, maybe he just wants to click on that. And he sees that there's this, like, sick pool table. And they've got Madden. And they've got all these different things in there. And maybe that's what captivates him. Uh, maybe another kid, you know, tours ACL in high school. And so he wants to know, well, oh, what's the recovery stuff like? Allowing the- It seems so small. It's such a exactly. small detail. It is. But these are uh, are the things that make the differences so Mel got all these things in 90 second clips and so now he can send them to these recruits in a dose that they can take
3: exactly and that's the thing like instead of trying to get their attention for six minutes they he tries to get their attention for one minute six times and that's so much more simple and who knows maybe a guy doesn't really care about the training facilities you know he's 16 17. Maybe like what exactly the, t- the table he's going to be sitting on when he gets his am- ankles taped isn't what's important to him. Doesn't need to watch the video. And he isn't going to turn off the video because he sees that part that he doesn't care about. And that's what's really important.
4: Completely agree. Uh, Mel said so much. I think there's going to be a lot of great content that comes out there of is. this. And, and you're going to definitely need to subscribe to BSN Denver. I, I want to pump my promo code right now so I can keep uh, uh, racking no, those no, up. No, no,
3: no, no, no. But no.
4: the promo code uh, for Henry is SCO Buffs, And I will say you guys did a good job because we've been pressing you that the CSU fans have been coming out in droves. And honestly, good for them. Like, Yeah. tip. I tip my cap. Uh, Justin's doing a great job with our CSU coverage. It's good for us. Uh, exactly. But you guys responded to the call-out, per se, and you guys have been coming through. But... Uh, you're gonna want to read some of this stuff. It'll be coming out periodically. I'm so excited to be able to write about the buffs again, and I'm gonna really try to make a concerted effort to bring more and more um, of my coverage up to Boulder yes. uh, and write the stories that uh, that don't require me to be an unbiased journalist. You know, <laughs> you don't have to be uh, you don't have um. to be unbiased to write the. Uh, the, the, the personal story. Yeah, you still have things that need to be said. Exactly. So, w- anything else that uh, I'm hosting the show all of a sudden? Yeah, I, know. I know. You just, like, flipped it around on I, me. I, it's natural. I, it, it is. It is. Uh, uh, Anything else stuck out to you? Is, there's so don't much. Don't give is, away too much. I
3: know. And see, that's the thing. Like, we, all, we both have the stories we want to run. I mean, so many things. Like, from the moment we stepped in there and we're in awe of everything he has set up, all of it that he totally designed himself. You know, just like little things like there were four TVs in this office. He decided, like, he decided, that's stupid. Why would I need four <laughs> TVs in this office? So he took two of them away. Like, it's just that kind of stuff that's, like, interesting to me. Like, the big jars of candy. Like, I wonder, <laughs> we never got a chance to ask You're him really going those. into the details know, now. But, but it was just interesting to see all that stuff. So, like, from the second you walk in, there's all this. But then to hear him talk and to hear him explain, like, what he wants to do with this program and that he just wants everybody to be bought in that. What's most important to him is that everybody is looking at it like a business. Everybody's doing their job, which is what good football teams do. And that's why it kind of feels cliche when I say it, like, of course that's what he wants, but that's really what he is all about. Like the hard nosed. he explained how he sets up his practices, which was interesting, but we can run through it real quick. Like it starts with the meetings in the morning where they explain the concepts And he puts the information in a note or on the iPad in front of them. He puts it on a projector in front of them and then he speaks to them so that they're cut. It's like coming to them in three different ways. So you go through that. Then you go through the walkthroughs and they go through slowly and talk through all the different details. And then they just progressively slow or speed things up throughout until they're doing it full speed. Like you go through the one on one drills, you go through like the skeleton drills, you go through like, you know, like defense only to the offense and defense and then all the way through. And just to hear the way that he has planned out. Every, every second of that day, was just interesting.
4: And the coaches that I've seen fail, uh, at, at both levels, excuse me, NFL and college, the coaches I've seen fail are the ones that fail in that respect in the organization. Interesting. And Mel talking about you know having a giant booklet, yes, that he uses as almost like. <clears throat> Uh, like a guide, basically a guide to being a head coach, right? That like he's just been building. It, uh, it reminds me of Leslie no by the way, Parks and <laughs> yes, Rec. Right. Like she yes, has a does. guide for everything. Yes. yes, she does. Uh, but like that's what I imagine. He has this massive binder that, when he's wondering, like, oh, like when we he he the way the example he uses is like, okay, what's our calendar gonna look like? How did we do fall camp last year? Like, whoop, let me there flip to is. that page. Okay, here's what we should change. And then his notes on it. Exactly. What worked? What didn't work? Reminds me of Adam GaSe. I don't know if you heard that story. That yeah, came out. he's like got a billion notebooks, one for every day. He's been a coach, et cetera, et cetera. Um, all that I've learned in these last two days with these two stories is that I could never be a, a head coach because I am not nearly organized no, enough. No,
3: I am not nearly organized enough either. But yeah, it's interesting, like hearing him say, you know, his he- early head coach interviews. Like there were times when he had two of those like roller business suitcases. Filled with his notes that he brought to the interviews,
4: it's it's that kind of stuff where I, I didn't know. Sorry to interrupt. I didn't know that he interviewed for the Browns job in two thousand eight. That's wild. And for, then he for also... this to
3: be his first job as a head coach, and it comes eleven years after he was invited to interview for an NFL head coaching job. Right. Like, all this stuff just makes you think. How has he not been a head coach
4: before this? Same thing I always say about Vic Fangio. It's it's interesting. There's a lot of parallels there between are, those there two. There are. Um, my favorite, favorite, favorite thing he said, and I, I don't want to give away too much because it's not even for my story or your story. Uh, it's for a story that Allie Monroy is working yeah. on, so I won't give away too much. But the quote he said, something along the lines of, like, my job is not only to represent the football program, But to represent every player who's ever put on the jersey, to represent every uh, student who's ever come through this school, and like he essentially said, like it is my job to. The word he doesn't he didn't use the word serve, but like he he says servant leader a lot. Well, but I mean, like he says, like it's my job to, like I work for those people, not just oh I'm a football coach. I work for the football program.
3: Yeah, well, it's also interesting to hear the day after he gets the job the entire athletics department, there's a meeting where he gets to like introduce himself and give like a speech to everybody, like all the coaches, all like the administrators, all the staff. And that's a lot of people. That's a whole lot of people. And so it's, it, it was interesting to hear how he said he approached it saying, you know, it wasn't that he said, you know, I'm the football coach. I have, I'm, I'm given this platform because what I do is more important than you. It was that like, servant where it's, I understand you all rely on me because the football revenue is the biggest portion it's of the them. revenue. Yes. That's the money we generate. And you all rely on me to create a product that will create that revenue. And I'm not going to let you down. Just that approach. I, I really like to hear that. That's how he thinks about things.
4: Right. So stay tuned. I'm, I'm hosting again.
0: You stay tuned just, for, all yep, our,
4: you <laughs> for all of our coverage uh, <laughs> that comes from that interview. And it was only half an interview. Half of it was us just kind of getting No, 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 Mel, which I, I really valued that time as well. Uh, but stay tuned for that and subscribe using that promo code SCOBUFS. And on top of getting $10 off the cost of a yearly subscription, you'll get that sick shirt that so we sick. just printed. I, I can't wait to wear that one. I used to be, um, I used to, I don't know if you know this about me. I used to fight the uh, the SCO movement. Why? I don't know. I was, I was a traditionalist. I just, like, go like, buffs. Interesting. Not but, let's go. To sco. But I have uh, I've evolved. Just like the word itself evolved. So if you're, two words. If you're like me, it's okay. Just accept it. Accept that sco is here to stay. And I, it's, like, unique. It because is. Yeah, I the like same it. way that, like, Anna B, my girl on The Bachelor. Uh, lol, at, oh, well. Bachelorette. We haven't talked nearly <laughs> enough about The Bachelorette. <laughs> no one podcast. wants to hear it. Um... The same way that she just says, like, she finishes every sentence with Roll Tide. Yeah. Like, you, go. you can just be, you, like, you see someone in the streets, you just say, scope That's cool. Yeah.
3: And just to build off of that for a second, there is one more big point that we miss. Mel Tucker finished everything he said by saying, but we just have to win football games. Like, we have to win football games.
4: He feels that pressure for sure. Yeah, you can tell. Uh, and we, we talked about that a little bit, just the desperation within the school as a whole to be a winning football program. And he feels that. He does.
3: And he said, I mean, there's that pressure for sure, but he was talking quite a bit about how Boulder is a different environment than the places he's coached before. We're in Tuscaloosa or in Athens, Georgia. Everything there revolves around football. All they care about is football. Georgia football or Alabama football. He said, like, here in Boulder, there's a lot of other stuff going on. That isn't it. Like, people ski, they hike, they hunt, they fish, all this kind of stuff, and he has to capture their attention. And again, he ended that by saying, and you know, all you gotta do is just win, and then
4: that solves itself. It's very true. If the Buffs start competing for Pac-12 championships, people will care. And Boulder will adopt the Buffs as their team once again, and and Denver will, you know, slowly migrate in there as well. So, one, one non-Buff's college football topic I wanted to talk with you before I unfortunately have to run um, is the Kelly Bryant thing. Did you hear this? No, I, I don't think so. I once again feel bad that I'm stealing the host chair from <laughs> you. But um, so obviously Kelly Bryant started multiple games for Clemson last year, right? Yes. Then he transferred just before the transfer portal closed or whatever. Yep. Well, let me just ask you before you know the answer to what to what actually happened. Do you think he should get a championship ring from Clemson? Ooh, and keep in I mean, mind that in the pros you would get one.
3: Yeah, I mean he started games for that team. He helped them get to that point. You know? Like, he boom, uh, I think he deserves
4: a ring. You do. He contributed. Alright. He didn't get one. Uh, and Dabo Sweeney said along the lines of it's not as if he didn't have a choice to be here. He chose to leave here, and so because of that, he doesn't get a championship ring. Ugh. I'm actually with Davo. Really? Yep. Why? Because you left, man. You like I listen. I uh. understand why you left, and I'm not saying he shouldn't have left. But once you leave, you don't get. You're not part of everything that happened, and so. Like, but he was part of it. He helped – he won games. But he didn't – Just not for that last step. He wasn't in there for the playoff. He wasn't in there for the national championship. Uh, and he left those guys because there was a time during the season – actually, it was the week after he left. Trevor Lawrence got hurt. They yeah, had to go to their there third is that. string. There is that. Like, they needed him then. And – I get why people think he deserves it, and and I'm not making the argument that he shouldn't have transferred because no. I think he should. It, and Very obviously should. And I understand why he did, but but once you do that, you aren't a part of the <sighs> team anymore. No, you're. You no. don't get the ring. I know, but like like
3: he sure he isn't a part of the team when they win the championship, but like they don't get there without him.
4: You know, and he's like, maybe he's they like just a- win easier in those games if Trevor Lawrence is starting. It's possible, but you don't even know. Like, like he did his part. I'm glad I brought this up because I, I had a feeling we might disagree on it. Yeah, we I like think I'm disagree. in the unpopular. Just based on the reaction I've seen on Twitter, really, I think I'm in the unpopular area. I just, I don't want to say he quit on the team because I think the circumstances uh, go beyond that. I think it's too simplified, mm-hmm. but he did leave. On his own will. He did. It's not as if he got cut like it's in the NFL and they needed, you know, a different position so they cut you to clear up space. No, he opted to leave, which if you want to simplify it down, you can say he quit. Yeah, I mean, he did quit. Like, But but
3: what was asked of him was so much. Like, he would have had to have, like, stayed at Clemson and, like, given up his entire shot at, like, a big-time college football career.
4: Well, I guess the perfect... um, Uh, A contrast to this is Jalen Hurts, who did stay. He did. And... I respect it. I respect it. I really do respect it. And he was called upon in the SEC Championship... Was it the SEC Championship game or the college football playoff semifinal? I I think it was the Championship game, I believe. Okay, so we'll just say it was that. He was called upon in the SEC Championship game to figure out a way to solve the Mel Tucker defense that, that Tua could not... And he played a huge role in them almost winning a national championship. Yep. If he got, like, if let's just say in an alternate universe, they win the national championship, like he deserves a championship ring, obviously. And then you compare that to what Kelly Bryant did. Which is like yeah. kind of in the squad yeah. for personal reasons, which I get. You have they're, to do.
3: It's not like a little personal thing. It's like a huge thing. Right. Like, it's like your like career this is, is on the line. Exactly. And but he's again, been
4: working for forever. For I'm this. not defending the fact that he, I'm not saying he shouldn't have transferred. I'm just saying he sh- he doesn't deserve a championship ring. It just minimizes
3: his contributions to that team in a way that I don't think. I think they deserve to be. Your minimized. contributions were f- forfeited when you left. <laughs> I mean, I mean, like, I see it. I see what you're saying for sure, but nothing changes if he stays. Like, if he's there, like, you know, it's easy to take a team and say, There's no pull, way. Pull that... Trevor Lawrence off the field. And then all of a sudden, like, it's a totally different squad. Like, putting him in there as a backup quarterback, it's, you know, like, I guess he does what... start those couple games. Yeah. Like, he plays a couple games. Like, ah. Uh. How many games did he miss that he would have played? Eight. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't realize he, Trevor Lawrence was out that long.
4: Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, I thought you meant Kelly yeah. Bryant by transferring. Oh, how many yeah, games. yeah, Trevor Oh, Lawrence no, he missed like, like one or two. Yeah. yeah. What, if, what if Kelly Bryant starts that game and they lose? And then they don't even go to the national championship? I don't know. We don't know any of this. All we do know is that <laughs> he contributed to
3: a team that won a national championship. And he will not get any rewards from that.
4: All I know is that this is really fun, and I'm excited to come back on this podcast Oh uh, Yes, we need to do this a lot more.
3: All right. Uh, it's time to take a second now and acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of BSN Denver. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. You've probably heard of their delicious vanilla porter, their oatmeal stout, and most people's personal favorite, the world-famous avalanche, which is their classic American amber ale. But they just released a new beer called Strawberry Sky that you guys are going to love. For you beer enthusiasts out there, they're calling this a lighthearted hearted Kolsch Ale. But for those of you who have...
4: Ryan just put his hand Let up. Let me just stop you right there. <laughs> the Strawberry Sky is off the chain. It is so good. <laughs> it's so good. Like, you don't even have to read this stuff. Should we just, should we listen, just explain it? How just would you describe
3: the Strawberry Sky?
4: Exactly what you want on a hot summer day. Isn't that in the read? So No, maybe. Uh... <laughs> So today, Tyson Summers and Mel Tucker both told me they they like a little bit of fly fishing. Oh yes. That's what you think. Like you, you just caught a trout, reeled it in. It's got a beautiful rainbow coloring. Yeah, fish blood all over your hands. And then you just crack open a strawberry sky. Because they crack open the fish. <laughs> crack open its head No. Uh, you crack open a strawberry sky and you revel in your accomplishment. Yeah. So That's I'm not much of a fisherman, but
3: I'd be down to like I'm kind of a boat guy. Like anything that gets me. A little buzz near water, I'm super into. So that's kind of where I see myself. Like maybe I'm just like floating down the river, maybe on a boat, maybe I'm just like hanging on the rooftop. But no, Strawberry Sky, like it just enhances any of those exper- experiences. Exactly. So that's why you guys should try it. So that's why. Also, uh, check out the Breckenridge event calendar on BSdnever.com. That's where we put all of our watch parties and stuff. And we're going to be drinking Breck beers. So come hang out with us.
4: And by the way, Breckenridge is hosting a concert this Saturday. If you guys haven't heard of the band Dawes they're dope they're like probably a top three favorite band for me and they're gonna be there and I'll be there too so maybe I'll run into you
3: Ooh, yeah maybe I'll be there actually no I'll probably be like in Boulder or something but whatever I'm sure it'll be a good time Ryan you got to take off
4: gotta go it's good having you on we'll do it again soon all right love all of you Buffs fans
1: but they also offer a rewards program that will help towards your purchases.
0: I would
3: recommend Frosted Leaf to a friend, and I would tell them to look forward to different strains and to knowledgeable help.
1: Check out Frosted Leafs' three Denver locations and download their app today.
3: Welcome back into the BSN Buffs podcast. Ryan just left me, so now I'm sitting here uh, alone at the Blake Street Tavern talking to you guys. We're going to have a lot more of Ryan in the next couple of weeks as we start moving into the season. I'm really excited. Hopefully you guys enjoyed having him on because I really did. It's always a lot of good stuff when he's around. Before we jump into the questions today, and I think we got a couple, I wanted to talk more about what we learned today, both from Mel Tucker and also at the earlier media availability when he talked to everybody who was in Boulder covering the team today. And I also got a chance to talk to Aaron Maddox, the safety and he had a bunch of interesting things to say. So I'm going to start there. I want to lead off by saying, I mean, I know I've said this a lot after I've talked to pretty much everybody up in Boulder. But I was really impressed by what Aaron Maddox had to say. He, He's very well-spoken. You can tell he's a bright kid and he really cares about this. He, he told a bunch of awesome stories. He, t- he told the stories from his dad, who was a part of the Desert Swarm defense at Arizona State. Um, he really knew his football. He's a guy who you could tell spend a lot of time studying. Uh, he was talking about how he, he loves Tedrick Thompson, the safety with the Buffs, a couple years ago who wound up in the NFL. He says that he likes just turning on Tedrick Thompson highlights. And watching them while he was with the Buffs, because with the Buffs, Tedrick wore number nine, just like Aaron does. And so he says he like visualizes himself making those plays through Tedrick, which I thought was a really interesting concept that I really appreciate. You could tell that he's just a guy who really loves football and wants to win, but also cares about his career. He's somebody who has thought about the next step and what it's going to take for him to get to the next level, which I thought was really interesting. Um, we also yeah, we, we also heard him talk quite a bit about uh, his experience with Mel Tucker, which is interesting because as a safety, he works a lot with Mel Tucker. Mel Tucker made his living coaching cornerbacks and safeties. Cornerbacks more than safeties, but still the secondary overall. Aaron, of course, was very excited when he heard that he was going to get to work with Mel Tucker, as you'd expect him to be because... Mel's a guy who knows how to get the most out of players at his position and help them get to the next level. He said part of the reason he chose to come to Colorado in the first place was because they've had the history of getting defensive backs to the next level. I mean, Tedrick Thompson, obviously, Akella Witherspoon, uh, Cheeto Awuzie in Dallas. He understands the situation he's in, and it's always interesting to talk to people who are in that situation of knowing that if things break right for you, you're on your way to the NFL because it's a weird place because you're thinking about the team and thinking about how you can win games and you understand that that's your number one priority, your responsibility to the people who brought you to Boulder, gave you the scholarship, all this kind of stuff. You have to help them win win games, but at the same time you're thinking, how do I show out the best for myself so that I can make some money playing football in the future. And I had a, I had a great time talking to Aaron about that. And you'll see more in today's camp notes, which will be up on bsndenver.com tonight for subscribers. Um, moving on to Mel one more time, there's a couple more topics that I want to hit on. Probably could have gotten through all of these if Ryan wasn't around because things kind of get sidetracked, which is kind of the fun of the show. Really excited, like I said, to have him around more. But Mel also talked a little bit about the difference in budget at Colorado. So at Georgia has the largest recruiting budget in the country, the largest football recruiting budget. It's something like $2.6 billion. Maybe there's one or two other teams that spend $2 million on recruiting. It's absurd. Uh, Colorado spends like six or $700,000 a year on recruiting, which I mean, is still a, a lot of money, but in the bottom third of power five football teams, it's been an adjustment for him. He said like, he's used to saying I need something and they just get it. You know, money isn't an issue. Resources aren't an issue. If you need something, it just shows up. That's what happens at Georgia. That's what happens at Alabama. That's what happens in the NFL where he was coaching before those two stops. He said it has been an adjustment. You know, he he wanted to make it very clear that Rick George and everybody else on that staff have uh, really helped him, like they've supported him, they've offered the money. If he said he needed something, he's gotten it. But he said it's not this thing where it's like instantaneous, I want this, I get it. It'll take a couple weeks, it'll take a couple months because you have to figure out where that money's coming from, which budget, what are you losing because you're spending money here. The buffs just have to follow the numbers more closely than Mel Tucker is used to. And you can tell that that's an adjustment for him. Again though, you can the the number one takeaway from spending an hour with Mel Tucker is that he is not overwhelmed at all by this job. He seems totally in control. You see people like try to you, you know they'll, they'll just be like, "Hey coach," you will say, "Hey, he he just has this aura about him where you can tell that he knows what he's doing. Everybody in that program, in that athletics department, really respect him. And and that's really what's most important, that he, he has a bunch of people who have his back, who when he says, this is how we're going to do things, he can trust that that's how things are going to be done underneath him. And that way, you know, if things don't work out, because they might not, you know, things might not work out for Mel Tucker at Colorado. I think that'd be a surprise to me and a bunch of other people who have spent some time around this program. But it would all come back to him and his ideas. And it just makes everything so clear and so transparent. And, you know, I can't remember if Ryan said this on the podcast or not, but the difference between our conversation on the record with Mel and our conversation off the record with Mel, and it was split about 50-50. I mean, they were the same. Like, it's the same thing where he's very introspective. He chooses his words carefully. He, he, he speaks in this low, calm voice. It's almost a whisper, honestly. It kind of surprised me. I felt weird because after starting doing this podcast for a while, I've developed a louder speaking voice. But that's just how I kind of want to sum up this conversation of Ryan and I's day in Boulder. Mel Tucker is in control. And we just cannot stress that enough. Now I'm excited to tell you about some truly game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible, so check them out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It has helped decrease anxiety, you name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use code BSN2019 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. All right, moving along now into some questions. The first one comes in from Elrod, who says, I really enjoyed this episode and Dre giving his input from his wealth of knowledge on teams and prospects throughout the country I agree there are six to, or five to six toss-up games that could swing the season in either direction. I only hope the buffs can come out on top in most of those. A few more thoughts based off comments from the last episode. Rammies have gotten several props lately for subscribing, and it's natural to compare to buffs. But I think what's misleading is a lot of us already had subscriptions and have been loyal to RK and Allie for a while. I'm an old guy, and I oppose the phrase "sco." but I love the buffs and cartoon Ralphie is too good to pass up. So I'll be getting a shirt, but need a toddler size for my daughter. That's good stuff. I like the point. I really do think that there are a lot of people who have been following along with Ryan's coverage ever since he was covering the buffs. So yeah, maybe we deserve to be spotted a few subs, but we can't really make excuses. Let's just kind of keep it going right now. I think we still have a six sub lead. We are a ways back from the Broncos, but the Broncos guys started their sale a couple days before we launched, so it's not totally a fair playing field. Keep it up. Remember, code SCOBUFFS, S-K-O-B-U-F-F-S, gets you $10 off a year-long subscription, makes it $34.99 for all of our coverage, everything written, all the videos, uh, exclusive right to have your comments read on the podcast, and, of course, a free shirt. It's worth it, I promise. Number two... The underground river myth is laughable. I have an engineering degree and work in construction. If there was anything underground that would affect the construction of a bigger jumbotron at the south end of Folsom, they never would have been able to build the east side club level, which is huge. I'm familiar that there are concerns with high winds in Boulder certain times of the year. And a big screen just becomes a giant wind sail. But it can definitely be engineered and constructed to be much bigger. But we come with a hefty price. I'm really disappointed Ryan had to leave before we got to this one because we looked through the comments before this show and he hadn't heard about the Underground River and had some takes about it. Maybe we'll have to circle back around to this next time he's on. But, yeah, I'd be surprised if an Underground River is the difference between building a stadium and filling it with 50,000 people and whatever, adding another ton you know whatever it costs or whatever it weighs to put another video board up there you know the obstruction uh, of the view makes sense the money makes sense not sure if i'm buying this underground river thing because <laughs> if it's if it's really that close they aren't going to be letting people go into that stadium i don't know you get like those hefty nebraska fans over there and then all of a sudden the south end of the stadium sinks into an underground river it just it's just not 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 realistic Okay, I think there's one more point in here. Also, I agree the key to the Nebraska game is the linebackers, but one thing you and Dre didn't mention is the importance to stay disciplined with a mobile quarterback like Martinez. Not sure who they would have spy on him, but I think there are great options between Landman, Davion Taylor, and Carson Wells. Yeah, that's really interesting, who they have spy the quarterback. Because Nate Landman's strength is as your tackler. As a guy, you, you you have everybody else kind of fill up the holes so that Nate Landman can read what the running back reads faster than the running back and meet him in that hole and bring him down. That's, that's ideally the role that he fills. By making him a spy, you're having him just mirror the quarterback instead of letting him dominate the run game like you'd really like to see from him. So I don't think that he's the guy you would have spy. You bring up Davion Taylor, who I think would be an interesting option because he is so fast. He's quick. He's a guy who matches up favorably with Adrian Martinez. I could see that being the option, but I also wouldn't be surprised if there's competition for this star spot. So it might actually be Makai Blackman. And Makai is even a little bit smaller than Davion. I haven't looked at the numbers, but at least just having seen them, he looks a little smaller. He's more of a cornerback. But I could see I could see if Davion Taylor really is the star, him being the guy that mirrors Adrian Martinez. If it's Makai Blackman, and another note on Makai, I know I, I think I actually said this yesterday that I'm trying not to just make this a Makai Blackman hype podcast. But just again today, when I was talking to Aaron Maddox, I said, who on this team has surprised you, impressed you more than you expected during Fall Camp? He took a second to think about it because That's just kind of what he does. He approaches the questions in that way, which I appreciate. Like, he puts some thought into them. Then says, you know, if I had to pick one, I'd say Makai Blackman. So, boom, there it is again. Makai Blackman, maybe he's competing for that starting star spot. Maybe he's uh, competing for an outside cornerback spot. Who knows? He's going to be involved. And Aaron said the same things that I've been saying. You know, he's sticky in man coverage. He's really fast. You just can't brush him off. And you know Mel Tucker said those same things yesterday. It'll be interesting to see how he's used. But I am confident he will be on the field and that means somebody won't be. Maybe that guy is Davion Taylor. Maybe he his his reps take just a little step back this year. Um you also mentioned Carson Wells as an outside linebacker. I mean, it's it's a po- it's possible. But it isn't what I would expect primarily because I see Carson as more of a straight-line speed guy. Like, he has those, like, edge-rusher skills, like the bend to get to the quarterback, that kind of stuff. But his athleticism is go getting from zero to 60 as fast as possible and then making his 60 higher than everybody else's. And that isn't exactly what you're looking for in a spy because it isn't a lot of downhill running. Like, sure, the sideline-to-sideline side speed's important, but... You want a guy who's shifty, somebody who won't get juked out, somebody who can mirror the quickness of Adrian Martinez and not just the top-end speed. So I don't think he's quite as much of a fit. I do think that John Van Diest could be a, a guy that they would call on. I think if I were to guess, it's going to be Davion Taylor is the number one option. It's going to be John Van Diest as the number two, with the downside with Van Diest being that he isn't as fast. You have a guy like Carson Wells who has that ridiculous top-end speed. John Van Deese doesn't have that, and so you would be losing it. But I do think that he could mirror Martinez at least serviceably. I don't think you're winning that matchup by any means, but he could definitely slow him down. Davion Taylor, on the other hand, could be a guy who actually does shut him down. We'll just have to see what things look like heading into that Nebraska week. Uh, It's an interesting conversation for sure. And it'll give us a glimpse of what the Buffs are going to do, I think, three, four weeks later when they take on Arizona and Khalil Tate, a guy that they have not been able to stop in their first couple meetings with him. Um, Thanks again for the comment, Elrod. Always good stuff. Love to hear it. Um, And now we're going to move on to a question from SilverBuff. He asked, or So he says, Buffs haven't upset a ranked team since Kansas. If the buff, Buffs make a bowl, they'll have to complete an upset. Which team is it? So first I want to talk about, do the Buffs need to complete an upset? Because they could be Colorado State, Air Force, Arizona State, Arizona, UCLA, and have five wins. They need one more. You know, at Washington State... That's an upset. That's an upset for sure. Um Nebraska, I think that that would be considered an upset. I don't know if they're going to be a top 25 upset, but that's an easy one to find on a schedule as a game that if the Buffs win, it changes their season. It makes it all of a sudden they're 2 and 0 needing four wins with a More than four winnable games on the schedule, which is a good position to be in. Um, That's the easy one to circle if you're calling it an upset, which I think you should because there's a good chance that they will be ranked in the top 25 at that point, even if a lot of Buffs fans aren't buying all the hype, which also is fair. Uh, Looking through the schedule, games that would be clear upsets at Oregon, that's not going to happen. Home against USC... I don't think there's a huge talent gap, but I would consider that... ah, uh, Yeah, that that's probably an upset. I think it's possible. I wouldn't bet on it. I actually think their odds are better November 23rd when they host the Washington Huskies. Washington's going to be one of the two best teams in the North Division. I have no doubt about that. It's going to be them in Oregon. I don't think there are any other teams that will really compete. But I do think they're beatable. The Buffs kept that game close until the end last year. It's a four-point game with four minutes to go. You can't ask for much more than that. Um, they lose Byron Murphy, the cornerback, opening things up for LaVisca Chenault, making this an even more favorable matchup. Uh, boy, they do. They I think they lose Jake Browning, bring in Jacob Eason. You know, Eason's hyped up. He's uh, He was a very, high, very highly rated recruit, went to Georgia, lost that starting job to uh, Jake Fromm, and now is the head coach. or or starting quarterback at Washington. They're a good football team. They're going to be very tough to beat. I do think that's a winnable game, though. And so that's the other one that I think I'd really circle on the schedule. Um, In terms of upsets, Nebraska is one, if you want to call that an upset. Um, Another one to watch for is Washington, second-to-last game of the season, when the Buffs might need a win for bowl contention. So... That's all I have for you guys today. As always, leave a comment on today's episode and I will read it on the podcast tomorrow. I think it's just me tomorrow, but sometimes things change. We do have a guest for you guys on Monday, though. Not going to spoil that. Don't want to jinx it. Really excited, though. It's going to be another voice giving his take on what's going on in Boulder. And it's and it's a take that you should probably have some faith in. He knows his stuff. Yeah, that's it for today like or subscribe subscribe to the website get all of our content uh, get a free shirt 10 dollars off co- code is buffs we're 6 subs ahead of Colorado State so let's let's keep building on that lead that's all I've got for you guys today bye guys
2: i think i like my colorado 180 Speed and pass Competence and see you later baby. baby Colorado Army With soldiers like the Navy yeah. And boat is where we station, patiently awaiting Boy. When I hit the field It's so hard to behave yeah. I'm Colorado Swagging as the crowd do the wave Looking to my I can tell that you afraid uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit ya Hit, ya, hit, ya. hit ya. Hey, hey. You on your own now Why you watchin' the official You just better Hope you make it to the next whistle God. And we ain't playin' with ya You can get it I think they like my Colorado swing. They like my Colorado swing. Cause when a minute play, I don't really know just how to act. And when no minute go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly, get a with my Colorado swing. My Colorado swing. My Colorado swing. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swing. My Colorado swing. My Colorado swing. Man, I swear, I think they like my Colorado swing.